April showers bring Mayflowers, but what do Mayflowers bring? A special offer from the DSR Network. For the month of May, become a member and receive 20% off a monthly or annual membership. Members receive an ad-free listening experience, exclusive bonus content, our evening members-only newsletter, and an invitation to continue the conversation via our members-only Slack community. This offer won't last, so act now. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code MAYFLOWERS, one word, to receive your discount. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code MAYFLOWERS. Thank you for your support. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, uh, uh, and we've got a terrific uh, special podcast today looking at American politics going forward. Our special guest is Lucas Kuntz, who's running for Senate in Missouri against Josh Hawley in next year's race. You may have seen the recent ad that was posted uh, using the voice of John Hamm, uh, which uh, uh, was on uh, Lucas's behalf, underscored his background in Missouri as an attorney, as a Marine, uh, and... uh, the clear distinctions between him and Josh Hawley. We'll talk about that shortly. I'm also joined by our friend, uh, savant purveyor of hopium, Simon Rosenberg, uh, who is one of the most uh, acclaimed uh, political commentators out there for very good reason. How are you doing, Lucas? I'm doing great. I just drove from Independence, where I'm from, uh, Missouri, to St. Louis yesterday for some... uh, some good union meetings, enjoying my time here. Yeah, so it's a bright, sunny day. I can't complain. No, yeah, same here. And Simon, how are you doing? I'm great, David. It's always good to be with you. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you here. Look, I just want to pick up uh, with uh, some of the the news of the day. Simon may want to pick up on some other news. Uh, but uh, uh, as we're recording this, it's not long after a judge sentenced Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers, to 18 years um, uh, in jail. Um, He uh, uh, affirmed in his decision that Rhodes was a terrorist. The decision, which also is for seditious conspiracy, underscores the point that there actually was an insurrection going on on January uh, 6th. Um, Lucas, uh, your uh, opponent in this race uh, was famous for two things on that day. One, giving support to people like Stuart Rhodes, flashing them a raised fist, saying things in support of the position of the insurrectionists. And two, he was seen uh, scurrying through the halls of the Capitol to escape the people he had been cheering on. So, uh, this Rhodes decision must have some resonance for you and for the people of Missouri. What do you think that is? 
Yeah, I mean, this is just, you know, Josh Hawley's underwater in our state. His disapproval is higher than his approval. And the reason for it is that the dude's just such a faker, right? And so I think what we all saw on January 6th is um, when he thought it was going to get him some personal power, maybe he thought it was a shortcut to becoming president or who knows what, he's out there pumping his fist. And then the moment things get real, as you put it, you know, he's skittering out the back door, running away from a crowd that he helped incite. And so uh, I just, you know, he's such a phony. He's a fake populist. And, uh, and this is an opportunity for us in Missouri, out here on the front lines in the fight for democracy, uh, to put a real contrast up against him. That's what John Hamm was doing for me. You know, John Hamm's from Missouri, and he wanted to do this ad because uh, we can't tolerate this from these guys anymore. Like we got to hit them. We got to hit them where it counts. We got to hit back hard. Uh, and we got to remind everyday Missourians every day uh, that they don't have their best interest in, in mind. And really all they care about is controlling people in their own power. But wait a minute. Josh Hawley wrote a book on manhood. He's a book writing expert on manhood. Well, $29.99, we can all learn the secrets of masculinity, which I can summarize it for you. It's uh, to be more like him is his uh, general conclusion. I'm not spending 30. I'm not spending 30 bucks for that. Um, so, Don't worry. It'll be in the bargain bin soon, David. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, over to you. Hey, Lucas. Uh, good luck, by the way. And thanks for, for being a, a proud patriot and diving into this uh, into this race. What are you, um, I'm just curious, two questions, just you can answer them together. One is, what what is your sense about how aware people are that something's gone wrong with the Republican Party and that Hawley is, you know, part of a, a bigger symptom of the uh, uh, MAGA and sort of the drift of the Republicans away from what it used to be to now something different and a little bit more menacing and dangerous? And then second of all, how are you talking about all that? Uh, in in the race, and what do you find is the most resonant way? Because you're obviously very different than many of the candidates we have who um, are in a place where there's more Democrats. I mean, you're in a place with lots of Republicans, right? And so, you know, we saw in Kansas, for example, during the um, the ballot initiative around abortion, we saw the Republican coalition center. What's your sense about how you're going to peel off? you know, that never MAGA, that sort of skeptical part of the Republican Party into your. Well, you know, the interesting thing about Josh Hawley is um, just based on the strength of his personality, he managed just to kind of do a lot of that all on his own. Right. And so when when he got elected here again, he's the only statewide Republican who's underwater. And of that, you know, his, his disapproval is 43. Thirty nine percent of that is as strong disapproval as possible. His approval is 42 and only 12 of that is strong. Uh, like he's very mushy and, uh, and, and everybody's just seen what he is, right? He comes across as just kind of gross. And so the, the sort of um, the way that's playing out is that when he ran in 2018 for the Senate, um, he just ran as like a kind of a unknown typical country club Republican who was backed by our former Senator Jack Danforth, who was backed by, you know, a billionaire out of Joplin and, um, and so everybody's just kind of like, well, he seems fine. You know, he's the next uh, next sort of Roy Blunt, uh, I guess you'd say, who was our former senator here. Um, uh, but since then, Jack Danforth has said Josh Hawley's the worst mistake he's ever made. Um, the guy in Joplin has said he's not going to fund him. A bunch of people have pulled away from him. I mean, he only raised like $300,000 last quarter, which for a sitting U.S. senator 
uh, who's coming up on re-election. Like, it's just mind-bogglingly bad. And so um, he's kind of, that, that support has already drifted away from him. He's having a hard time raising money. You know, for a while there, he was pushing real hard to, I guess, try to be president or something like that. But I guess he's decided that's not going to work. And he's just kind of floating out there by himself. And so, again, like, you know, here in Missouri, you mentioned it's a red state. Um, but we'll surprise you sometimes. Uh, you were talking about Kansas as, uh, you know, the Kansas ballot measure that went through uh, to protect the right to abortion access. Well, in Missouri, you know, we overturned the anti-union right to work at ballot initiatives, 68 percent to 32 percent. We expanded Medicaid over the state legislature. We passed recreational marijuana. Uh, you know, we increased the minimum wage, $5 over the federal level. Josh Hawley stood against all of these things. And so what we're doing, you ask how we're sort of, uh, I can't remember what you said, maybe operationalizing that or whatever, but, uh, or his, what he is. I mean, you know, we're enlisting everyday historians. We're going all around the state and we're just talking about it. We're talking about what I stand for, my background of service, uh, the way I grew up, which, you know, I grew up in a paycheck to paycheck family that went bankrupt for medical bills. And sadly, that's not an uncommon story here. People can relate to that. And Josh Holly doesn't know anything about that. And so um, when Missourians have someone that they don't like, which they have right now in Josh Holly, and they have someone like a veteran who understands how normal people grow up, uh, they're going to switch their ballots over. You saw that in 2016 when Jason Kander ran and, you know, Donald Trump won bigger than any that was the biggest victory that anyone's ever had here in missouri it was like 17 points and uh, and jason kander came within within three actually less than three percent of winning and so uh you know we have an opportunity where people here are willing to to switch their ballots you know we've had uh, our last statewide democrat just left this year so it's not you know it's not been that long we're willing to do that when we get the unique circumstances which we have here so so let me pick up on another news item um, uh, and that is the, the precarious state of the U.S. Uh, uh, discussions re- regarding the debt ceiling and the deficit. Um, I, I know how people feel. I'm here in Washington. I know how people feel in Washington. I, it's very clear on where both sides are trying to spin this. How does all that play in Independence, Missouri? Well, I mean, it plays for us straight up in our households, right? I'm a veteran. VA benefits uh, we're looking at not getting, all of us who are on Social Security. This is a very working class state where most of us are paycheck to paycheck. And uh, and when the government defaults, um, which obviously I hope it doesn't, uh, we're all going to feel that. And I think the blame is going to land directly on McCarthy and company. And so, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that they're willing to do that. Uh, you know, we've we've gone after Josh Hawley on things like uh, voting against burn pit. Um, you know, burn pit care for veterans because I was exposed to burn pits in Iraq. And this is just going to be another thing. We're going to talk about how, uh, you know, politics was more important to him than taking care of everyday people. And he actually specifically said that. He was asked in an interview uh, if, if the uh, debt ceiling should be raised and it should weigh in on it. And, uh, and he said, well, I don't think it's in my best interest to do that. And what he means is it's not in his best political interest. And that's a scary thing because it is in the average everyday Missourian's best interest. And so, you know, I'm surprised to see him say the quiet thing out loud, but he's done it in the past, and uh, and it's something that we'll run on. Simon, I know you've been fighting, writing about this and commenting on, on where we stand on this whole thing. I'm interested in your view, too, about how this plays out there, as well as your next question to Lucas. Yeah, I mean, I thought Lucas's point is really important, which is that the assumption it's such a Washington moment that the assumption is, of course, anything that happens hurts Joe Biden, right? 
And yet, you know, we were told during the 2022 election that inflation was going to kill the Democrats and there was no way we could overcome high inflation as low approval rating. Of course, we saw that something very different happened because there was a deeper dynamic in the election. And just from a strategy standpoint, the reason why what McCarthy's doing as a strategist was so incredibly risky, it wasn't just risky for the American economy and the global economy, which there's enormous risk. But the only issue, the only major issue in the country where Republicans are really connecting with voters right now is on the economy. And they're a little ahead of us, you know, by a few points. And McCarthy's putting all that at risk. And if he goes into, if he comes out of this on the other side and Biden looks like he stood for the country and McCarthy was reckless and their numbers on the economy goes down, he'll have done enormous damage to the Republican um, brand and the ability for the Republicans to be competitive next year. Because it's the thing that's the only thing left for them where they're really connecting with voters. They're not connecting with voters on guns and, you know, climate change and abortion and even inflation. I mean, they're way underwater on inflation as a party right now. And so I think McCarthy's really playing with fire here. And to, for him to believe that he was going to outfox Biden, who has shown enormous legislative dexterity over the last several years, having passed all these remarkable things in a very divided Congress, it was there was a lot of arrogance here. And I think the thing that worries me the most, and then I'll get to Lucas, is that, you know, the people really driving this, Trump, MTG, Matt Getz, are the same people that encouraged an insurrection against the United States. And, you know, it's there and I and it doesn't seem that there's really any there's not an obvious and easy way out of this now. McCarthy sort of pulled the pin on the grenade and there's no easy way to put it put it back. And so this is t this is going to test Team Biden in ways that are you know I I really respect the way the Biden team is handling this. They're not demagoguing this. They're not coming out talking to the press maybe too too much. They're just trying to solve a problem, right? They're just sitting down in a very practical way, recognizing that McCarthy is way out of his league and is doing dangerous stuff. They're trying to protect the country, and I give them a lot of credit for that. Um, and I think Lucas, you know, part of my my question was. You know, one of the things that's been interesting about Holly is that his wife has emerged as, you know, one of the most important leaders in the anti-choice pro-life movement. Um, is there an awareness of how much he and his wife have become national leaders and really driving what are not just pro-life policies, but the most extreme elements of the pro-life movement? Is there an awareness in the state? And is that something you're talking to voters about? And how's it? How much of that is part of your conversation right now? Well, I mean, we don't just talk about that. We talk about the corruption that's involved with it, too. I mean, the thing is that, like, if there's one thing people don't like here, it's corruption. And, you know, that hurt Roy Blunt because Roy Blunt's wife was a corporate lobbyist. All three of his kids were corporate lobbyists. And then when he ran against Candor, that was the thing that they hit him on the most because it's just like, you know, you got to be looking out for the people in your state. And it shouldn't seem like you're looking out for someone else's interests and, uh, on this issue. And we're maybe like worse than corruption or Right. But, you know, Aaron Hawley, Josh's wife, led the uh, the case to get mifeprestone banned uh, so that you couldn't get the um, abortion drug. And um, and uh, the judge who ruled in that case um, has a very interesting connection with the Hollies. So he was a Trump nominee. He was languishing in Trump nominee land because he didn't seem really qualified. and He had some really ex uh, extreme uh, opinions and positions that he'd written about in the past. And uh, and so along comes Josh Hawley, 
He donates to Josh Hawley's campaign. Once Josh Hawley's in the U.S. Senate, he helps get his nomination through. And then he becomes the the uh, district judge down in Texas. And then, of course, Aaron Hawley uh, and her crowd, they forum shop for the best judge they can find to try to ban Mifepresto. And they go directly to his court. They get in there. And then she leaves the case in front of a judge who her husband uh, got put in place. Right. And now he's writing uh, he's writing amicus breaks to the Supreme Court behalf of his wife's case. And so, uh, you know, when you take your public position of trust and you use it to advance uh, your family's, you know, personal benefits and, and employment and career, that's a problem. That's a problem for everybody, no matter which side you're on. And uh, and again, like if there's one thing that people don't tolerate here, it's that level of outright corruption. And so, you know, we're not just talking about uh, the abortion, which is incredibly extreme and uh, and people are upset about but we're also talking about the fact that he's willing to you know dash that with a heavy side of corruption and just you know grossness that nobody wants i i'd like to go back for a second to the debt ceiling question because the reality is probably in the hours after we record this probably sometime tomorrow or the next day they'll reach a deal the president will probably limit uh, budgetary growth and identify some areas for budget uh, clawbacks or reductions ranging from unused COVID funds to um, uh, other areas. There probably will not be revenue increases, which the Democrats had sought, McCarthy opposed. Um, The debt ceiling will be uh, extended. The crisis will be averted. And this is just the most likely outcome. Uh, and some people on the far left of the Democratic Party will say, oh, Biden, Biden gave in. And some people on the far right of the Republican Party will say, McCarthy didn't get enough. Um, and it'll probably take some mix of Democrats and Republicans to get this through the House. How would you react to that as an outcome? Oh, I think getting a deal done is is critical. And, uh, you know, when you don't get a deal done, disaster strikes. I mean, I can talk about this from personal experience in a different way. You know, I used to, I I was a Marine Corps major at the joint staff, and I used to do conventional arms control negotiations for the chairman. I'd go over to NATO, um, you know, try to get our allies on board to take a hard position against Russian aggression and build up negotiate with Russia. And, uh, you know, there's two days, two ways you can negotiate, right? It's, it's brinksmanship. It's uh, only from position of power, uh, or it's where you try to meet, you know, in arms control anyway, it's where you try to build out confidence and security building measures so that you don't have conflict. And uh, we all live in a better sp- space when we spend less money on arms, uh, and we spend more money on our economies, and we don't have to live in this sort of brinksmanship game. And, uh, and I hope that we can live in that world in our politics in D.C., rather than in this one where it's only about power, it's about trying to kill the other person because we know what that looks like, right? That looks like a war in Ukraine. Like We're seeing that, uh, and it's going to be the same thing just in our economy uh, if we don't do the right thing here. So, you know, I think that uh, I think it's going to happen, too. I hope that it does. And if it doesn't happen, it's because uh, Kevin McCarthy and company didn't want it to happen. Well, there is, David, if I can just jump in, there is an interesting wrinkle, Lucas, that may be important for you, which is that Senator Mike Lee has, who organized a group of 43 senators to oppose, um, to join hands with Kevin McCarthy 
has come out today repeatedly and said he's very skeptical of the deal that's coming up and he may oppose it. And um, if that happens, Hawley is going to be on, you know, all of a sudden Josh Hawley's position on this is going to matter because the Republicans in the Senate may actually, you know, if they have 43 votes, that means we, they can kill the compromise. And this is a new development that's happened just in the last few hours. And so, you know, this may be the, 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 the votes of Republican senators may become material in the next few days to what happens. Um, and so, you know, hopefully, um, you know, this should just be on your radar screen now because the idea that whatever passes the House is going to pass the Senate is no longer a given as of the, in the last several hours. And so we need to be putting pressure on, on Senator Hawley to do the right thing here when he's given the opportunity to do so. Yeah, well, that's a that's a that's a good point. You know, one of the things that also strikes me is, you know, I'm older. You guys don't have gray hair. Simon, you have a little gray hair, but um, uh, I, I have a little more of it. And I remember when the Republican Party was about strong national security, strong law and order, family values, um, uh, things like that. Now the Republican Party. The majority of the MAGA Republicans seem to be pro-Putin. You just mentioned dealing with the threat of Russia. Uh, they seem to be pro-Russia. They seem to be anti-FBI. They seem to be anti-CIA. Um, uh, they certainly, you know, it's hard to say that electing somebody who's been found in a court of law to be a sexual abuser uh, is really standing up for family values. Missouri's the middle of the country. Missouri is is true heartland. And there are a lot of Republicans in Missouri. Do they realize what's happened? Do they embrace that? Do they ponder that? Or they does it bother them to support Vladimir Putin? Well, I think this is a situation where again, I mean, we have a real chance to put a, a solid counterweight against one of the people who's at the top of that bad list, right? Or naughty list or whatever you want to call it. Like Josh Hawley is right there with all of that. Um, he's a faker on so many things. He tries to say the Republican Party is the party working people, but, you know, he's pro-right to work. He doesn't want to help us out. When he was attorney general, he fought to make sure that Missourians couldn't get paid for their, paid for their overtime. And so uh, it's just there are so many uh, so many lies in the web that they've that they've built um, that it's starting to crumble. It's it really is starting to crumble, and you see that in popularity. You saw that in Kansas with the abortion uh, ballot initiative. You've seen that with Missouri ballot initiatives. And so again, like this is an opportunity, a real opportunity in the heartlands, in the Midwest, in a state that had almost all Democrats statewide up through 2017. Right, that's only five years ago. Uh, to push back and to do a real battle against one of the worst guys who is frankly weird. And, uh, and it, and it's an opportunity, I think, and that I hope that everyone will focus on nationally and sort of the battleground for the heart and soul for America. And, uh, I'm proud to be at the front of that. And, uh, and I'm working hard every day to make sure that we get our message out there. We put the contrast out there and, uh, and we make sure that everybody in Missouri knows because I think that when they see it, uh, when they feel it, when we get out there, uh, when we have the resources, uh, to communicate, uh, they're going to come to our side uh, like they have in the past uh, on a lot of things. Hey, Lucas, are you having fun? Oh, yeah. This is great. I love going around the state and meeting people. I mean, this is my state. You know, I grew up here. I grew up in a medium-sized town, uh, and it's just 
I share so much in common with people around the state. Uh, it's just a, it's a real pleasure to meet everybody. And uh, everybody's been nice. You know, everybody's like, oh, how can you be? What's it like introducing yourself as a, as a Democrat around the state? I'm like, I don't know. I just like I'm Lucas Coons, 13 year Marine veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, we we go down the thank you for your service road and and we talk about growing up here. And I talk about what it's like uh, to really struggle, you know, to, to watch um, my mom. I mean, so so my parents got married young, 19 and 22. Uh, they were Catholic. They had four kids like you're supposed to do. And uh, when my little sister had heart surgery, um, you know, a paycheck to paycheck family can't handle that. We went bankrupt. I remember watching my mom cry herself to sleep every night, not just because she didn't know uh, if her little girl was going to survive surgeries, but she didn't know how they were going to take care of the rest of their family. And that is a very common story uh, here in Missouri. And it's something that everybody wants to stop from happening, right? We just want investment in our communities. We want the ability to take care of each other, uh, just the same way that the community took care of me when I was a kid. Like when we went bankrupt, uh, we didn't make it because the country club Republicans like Josh Hawley were there for us. We made it because the people in our neighborhood with no more money than we had passed the plate around their churches for us, brought tuna casserole by the house, you know, and, and really took care of us. And right now, people in Missouri, they have seen um, that the folks in control have divested from and stripped our communities for parts so badly that we can't even take each other, take care of each other like that anymore. And so it's a point where we've hit the bottom and it's really sad for a lot of our communities. And, uh, and if we can bring a message to show like not only did Josh Holly and his crowd do this, but they're continuing to do it. And the only way to get that strength back, the only way to get that independence back, the only way to be able to take care of each other is to get this guy out of office and start investing right here where it counts uh, people are coming around to that. So it's it's an exciting opportunity for me to just get into all the communities in Missouri and see that they want the same thing that I want. I'm sold. That was pretty powerful. I think that <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 was, it, it was pretty powerful. It was pretty powerful. I have to say, I, I got first exposed to Lucas. We appeared on the same MSNBC show, and I was really struck by plain speaking, direct, uh, positive message. Let me flip the last question around here. We've just got a couple of minutes left. I want to ask Simon a question, and then I'd like Lucas's reaction to Simon's answer. Um, but the last time you were here, Simon, you, you were talking about the 2024 election, and you said something that has really resonated with me. It has not left me. It is now my new mantra, and that is 55 and 24. You were talking about you know, this is not an election where the Democrats should be seeking to eke it out. You know, you look at all the big issues, the support for Democratic uh, views on those issues, from guns to the environment, to health care, to uh, education reform, to, you know, you name it, uh, is two-thirds or more of the voters. Uh, and that this should be a resounding victory, not only for President Biden, but for us in the House and even in the Senate, where a lot of people are like, oh, shrugging and saying, yeah, well, we're not going to get this. Uh, and the state of Missouri resonates with me because this is not a place where people go, oh, yeah, that the Democrats are going to just pick that one up. Um, but but you would have very optimistic view about what the outcome could be, Simon. Uh, you've been right before, and I'm just wondering whether you're retaining that view and how that view ties into what Lucas is doing. Well, it ties in very directly. I mean, the basic view here is that this is a year of expansion for us, that we need to go, that their extremism has pushed them 
further and further away from the electorate and that we have the ability to grow geographically, demographically, and rhetorically. And I think that what you're seeing Biden did in his initial ads and his videos, which was that he was claiming rhetorical space and imagery that is more generally associated with Republicans, the flag, freedom, democracy, language that was very muscular in that regard. I feel like their opening uh, narrative and story and videos have been very powerful. But we also, I think, can grow geographically and demographically. And you've seen the Biden campaign is already advertising in Florida and North Carolina. Those are growth states for us. We were able to flip the Wisconsin Supreme Court seat. We just won in Jacksonville, DeSantis' hometown, in an upset victory. We just won in Colorado Springs, a place we've only won once in the last 40 years. So you're seeing us continue to grow. In 2022, we got to 59% in Colorado, 57% in Pennsylvania, 55% in Michigan, 54% in New Hampshire. We just got to 56% in Wisconsin. So it's my view that right now, and you know, Lucas, you were in the military, is that you know, you can't score unless you shoot. You can't go take territory unless you have a plan to go take it. And we need to be planning for expansion and growth because I think they've given us an opportunity to go claim real estate as we're already doing in the last few weeks, right? Jacksonville and Colorado Springs are Republican cities. And we went and, and Jacksonville is where DeSantis grew up. It's the district he represented when he was in Congress. And we just flipped that. So we're already seeing Democrats being able to go do things that nobody thought we could do, as we did in 2022, that basic sense that we overperformed expectations. We took real estate that people didn't think was available to us. And so races like Lucas, we have to be open to the idea that we can go win in places that traditionally we can't win in because of their extremism and the opportunities they were giving. Listen to what Lucas said about all those ballot initiatives and things statewide where Democrat, Democratic kind of issues prevailed in Missouri and aligned more with our values. He articulated very well that there's a path here in a place like Missouri that would potentially in a different kind of year may not have been open to us or with a different kind of candidate. But people are getting sick and tired of them and the extremism that they represent. They know it. They understand it. They want something better. And I think that's why Lucas has got a real shot here. So, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, that's it. I, I'm, not a, I'm not the numbers whiz around the country like Simon is. You were right. You introed him pretty well as, uh, as being a, an expert on this. Um, but I can tell you what the feeling is. I can tell you what our internals are showing us. And it's just, yeah, people, people want to be invested again. They want to feel like people, that their leaders care about them, care about them more than their stock portfolios, care about them more than their personal ambitions. And we don't feel that here right now. I mean, it's a huge percentage of Missouri school districts are on four-day school weeks right now because they've been so disinvested from by the state legislature. Like we are we are hurting. People are upset. And, and the craziest thing is, you know, I, I think it was you, David, we're talking about a lot of things the Republican Party used to stand for. Well, um, uh, you know, now it's just like they just want to control everybody. Like they want to control you in the doctor's office. They want to control you in the bedroom. They want to control you at your workplace. They want to, I mean, Josh Hawley's book about manhood, that's about like controlling how every single one of us lives uh, as a man, right? It's crazy. It's about how uh, women in the workplace have taken away from real manhood, right? It's about how you have to be just like him to be a man. It's just, it's gotten so uh, creepy and weird uh, that it is an opportunity for us. And and this is one of those places where, again, like we had mostly statewide Democrats, our governor, 
uh, Secretary of State, all others through 26 through 2017. It's a place where we lost for a little bit because people felt disinvested from and uh, by Democrats, uh, even though I don't think that was the case. And now they're seeing like, oh, these now they know gotten them. And so it's our opportunity to really put that out there and put that contrast out there. And, you know, uh, certain infrastructure money starting to come to the state, which is a big deal. The more those projects start to happen, the more people get those good union paying jobs, uh, the more they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that is who's feeding me right now. That is critical. And I need to invest in that. And so, so you know, that's our story every day. It's about investment. It's about taking care of the people of the state. And uh, the contrast on that is that Holly, you know, I mean, the dude's never brought a nickel back to the state. He doesn't care about it. And, uh, and that's where, that's where uh, we run right through the gap. Both of you are great. The last time Simon was on, he did say these things about 55 or more and 24 and about how this can be a real expansion. And that's not just a political calculus. The only way you stop the MAGA movement is if you communicate to all the people in the Republican Party that it's a big loser, not a little loser, not a squeaker, but a big loser. And that's the only way to save the country, save democracy, save the fundamental rights they're trying to pare away. And the proof that we can do that, to me, is candidates like Lucas Kuntz. And I think that the message you've got, Lucas, the background you've got, the opportunity you've got in Missouri supports everything that Simon uh, is saying. It's deeply encouraging. I hope everybody will follow your campaign. I hope they'll support it. Um, uh, go look at get, get, go look at the John John Hammett, and uh, um, hopefully we'll talk to you a little closer to the election. But for now, thank you, Lucas. Thank you, Simon, and thank you everybody for listening. Bye bye.